Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Hello and welcome to the least excited I've seen anyone involved in Off Track to be on Off Track. I was excited six minutes ago. Alex is looking at his phone. I'm late. You guys are in the same room with a terrible echo and one microphone, so this should be fun. Cool. Whoa. Okay. Is it actually echoing? <laughs> well, yeah, it's a little more in your office, but as long as you don't speak too loudly, I think we should be good. I don't know how it's echoing considering it's silent and we have headphones in. He means like off the actual surfaces. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's more hard surfaces in the bar than the office. Well, hi, Alex. Uh, what's happening, man? How you doing? I'm busy, James. I honestly, I got to be honest with you. I don't really have time for this shit, but uh, here we are, and... <laughs> I'm really happy I to get see it. you. I'm happy to be in the same room as Tim. That's nice. Yeah, I saw him too much on the weekend, so he, no. you can have him for a bit. I only saw him in passing. And then when he was too big of a to get on my airplane home on Sunday. It was partially because I was scared. It wasn't that. Tim, Tim. More because I wanted talk. to go to Colton's party. We, anyways, yes, had, Tim's a giant. I unpackage it and everything. I, Basically, okay. how was your, how was your flight home? I had the opportunity to go to Colton Herta's party. Uh, and well, hit to ride. You were invited to it. Else. You just showed up. I didn't to say it. I was invited. I just said I had okay. the opportunity to go. <laughs> I chose those words that's very like, carefully. That's like <laughs> saying you have the opportunity to have lunch in the White House. Yes, I have the opportunity to go on a date with Margot Robbie. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Oh, good times. Uh, how was your flight home? Was it, it fine? Was great. You landed. I was. I was in my driveway by seven p.m. Mega. It's beautiful. Fantastic. I had a great night too. Colton was uh, Colton was very generous, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I'm very surprised. Was he surprised to see you there? No, I think they told him. It was oh. funny. I walked I, in the I, door. With, I called with and James. warned him. Yeah, I walked in the door with James and a few people, and Brian. The first thing he says, "Hey, anybody thirsty? I can make Tim get you something." Like <laughs> as I showed up, which I liked. I thought Brian was going to say, fair. hey, anyone, anyone thirsty, you better finish everything that you, you would want to drink for tonight because it's about to be out. <laughs> Go hoard it now before Tim gets released on the bar. Yeah. Good times. Um, I believe that's, I believe that to be true. Uh, okay, well, well, I mean, we can work back to that, I suppose. 
Um, but yeah, why are you so busy? What's keeping you so busy, man? Before we get to Nashville, tell me about your life. What's Dude, happening? We literally have, it's back-to-back race weeks. Come on. We got yeah. going on. But like, what kind of shit? Just like post-race engineering stuff and then pre-race engineering stuff and sponsor stuff. Like what's what's the busiest part right now? My day. Yeah. God, you're the worst. How- I have to go I have to go at six o'clock to go to a, a grand opening showing of Gran Turismo. Um so yeah, I know. I had the same reaction. A- but here we are. <laughs> here we are. Is that a is that a team thing or a serious thing? That's a it's a Bell Helmets thing, actually. Didn't yeah. see that coming. Again, same reaction. So I'm yeah. going to go because <laughs> Bell's a great partner. They give me lots of helmets, and I love their product. And so it's crazy to me that Tim just missed the opportunity to say, I like helmets. I thought it. I was going to bring it up after. I was trying to think of what I could yeah. trade. Speaking of um, talking to movies and mentioning movies on this podcast, I had someone come up to me at the autograph session um, on Friday in Nashville. And they were like, okay. hey, uh, so uh, you guys talked a lot about Barbie on the episode. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, oh. do you, did you not agree? He was like, no, it's not that. I just think it was a waste of my time that your entire podcast was like dedicated to a movie review. And I said, then don't listen. <laughs> and he was super offended by that and like didn't take my <laughs> autograph card and kept walking. So no, again, sir. Sorry if I offended you, but that was a dumb comment. So here we are. Yeah. It's, yeah. So (laughs) if you're listening, stop. (laughs) It's, it's literally called off track. You should be grateful we talk about racing at all. Yeah. Yeah. And Jack Harvey was sitting next to me and he was like, wow, that was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, I hope you are still listening and I hope that you realize that. We don't often spend 20 minutes on movie reviews, but it was more about the, there was more, it was more than just reviewing the movie. The experience. We were reviewing, it was also reviewing two movies, to be fair. Um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Um, speaking of helmets, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sit here and flat out call out Colton on this one because Colton and I agreed to do a swap, I don't know, a year ago. And it was always like, hey, bring a helmet here, bring a helmet here. We kind of, one of us would forget or something. And then I think it finally got to, and he would always say like, I'm going to bring it. And then he's like, oh, I left it home or it's at the shop or it's not in the trailer or whatever. So I was like, okay, Indy, you're driving up from home. We're there all month. Let's do it. It's like, all right, cool. So I bring my helmet by at one point and he comes up and he's like, yeah, I, I forgot it. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to leave this with you. We'll figure out a time. Just bring me it at some point. He's like, all right, all right. So said he's going to bring it to whatever race doesn't come Nashville. I was like, all right, how about Nashville? He's like, yeah, 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 totally. That makes sense. That makes sense. So he didn't bring it to the track. He's like, I'll definitely give it to you on Sunday, but can you bring a Sharpie with you? And I was just like, Alex, do you not have as a driver, do you not have a drawer somewhere in your house full of Sharpies from like coming home from the weekend and you've got like one or two in your pocket that you've stolen off your PR or whatever. And you, they just end up accumulating in some drawer. Or was that just me? That's just you. I actually had this exact issue this morning. I was bringing a pair of boots uh, for a driver that goes to PitFit because he has a charity thing. And I was going to sign him in my house and couldn't had to wait to PitFit to sign him. So I don't have a Sharpie in wow. this house. I guess I have, like, I have like I have like 
markers, but not a Sharpie. Yeah, yeah. No, I I would have like this drawer that at the end of every weekend I would just like go through my pants pocket. I also don't find I also don't carry a Sharpie on the weekend. <laughs> if they don't have a pen and they ask me to sign something, that's not my problem. No, right, but I'm saying like I would like the PR would hand me one and I'd sign it oh, and I would yeah, end no. up putting it back in my pocket or something. No. So I've stolen the number of Sharpies I have inadvertently stolen from Ryan Weatherford over the years. It's like hundreds. Right. So anyway, Colin's like so you're a bring a Sharpie. I'm a thief. I'm a dirty, dirty, rotten thief. And, but I said, I said to him, I was like, how do you not have any Sharpies in your house? He's like, well, you know, I'm like, okay, fine. I'll bring a Sharpie. So I find a Sharpie, stole another Sharpie and, uh, go to the house and he got it. And he's like, well, this is black. I think a silver one would be better. And like, he's holding the helmet in his hand, the caps off it. And he's like, actually, I kind of want to sign it here, but it would only show up in silver. I'm like, well, I didn't show up with options, bud. And he was like, all right, well, let me find a silver and I'll get it to you another time. So I was literally at his house, helmet in hand, and I still don't have it because he wanted a silver shirt. <laughs> You're just never going to get that helmet. I'm, I think it's a running joke now. Like, I feel like I feel like he's like I'm on the outside of this joke. and That I will wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't surprise me. It seems like it's a very, thing very cold thing. Yeah, very cool thing yeah. to do. But I almost, you know what? I almost respect it at this point. Like it got to the point where it was in my hands and I still, I think he's seeing how long he can lure me along and it's going to be a long time. It's just awesome that, you know, you know, I have a Colton helmet. You're going to get a Colton helmet. Tim's never going to get a Colton <laughs> helmet. So. Is, is, yeah, but is, I don't is Marco... have a podcast with Colton. Like I, I get that. Colton and I, you know, I, I understand why I don't have a Colton helmet. <laughs> Yeah, no, I understand why you don't have an Alex or James helmet, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got a smoke helmet and I got a Marco helmet. Those are the two I wanted. All right, well, there That's you go. You, uh, all right, he doesn't want our helmets is what I just heard. So I, I guess I'll put the one I was saving for Christmas back on the shelf and uh, trade with someone else. I'll trade you a bottle of Malort for it. Oh, dude. Did you tell him about this? No, not yet. Okay. We're going to get into the race at some point. So if you're listening and you don't like movie reviews, just skip ahead 10 minutes because this is not a movie review, but it's as unimportant as that. We went to dinner on whatever night that was. And sure. And it was at a nice restaurant and Tim decided it would be appropriate to order Jägermeister. um, Yeah, that's funny to me. It was like a right. like a Michelin rated restaurant. Mm. Yeah, yeah. F- prefix like set menu, like really nice restaurant. Uh, who chose this restaurant like, and who paid? Neither of us on either. Mm. <laughs> and so, so Tim was like, "Well, we got to class this down a little bit," and goes to like the sommelier. Hey, do you guys have Jaeger shots? <laughs> so they were like, "I don't think so," but let me check. Go back, come back. No surprise, this place does not have Jägermeister. So they were like, there's this other thing that we've got that's kind of similar. It's like dandelion flavored or something like that. It's made in Chicago. It's called Malort. And it's kind of like equally as bad, but still people think it's good in the same vein as Jägermeister. So we're like, all right. So he brings by these glasses of Malort. Alex, I can't. Even. I cannot explain to you. The oh, I just flavor. googled it, and based on the the bottle, like what the bottle looks like, I am not surprised. Yeah, it, it, it's Dude. worse than you would think. It is. It, it is so much worse. Most foul thing I've ever tasted. 
It, it was like if you liquefied earwax and then it somehow went bad. Mm. <laughs> and then topped it off with like some avgas or something. Like it this was, stuff it was, was horrendous. It was so bad. So to anybody in Chicago that claims to like Malort, A, you're lying. Or B, you're an absolute sociopath. So then they poured it in my water while I was in the bathroom. Mm. <laughs> and so the next time I took like a big gulp of water, I thought like it had, I thought it was so bad. It was this believably bad that it had ruined my taste buds. And that's just what water was going to taste <laughs> right. like for a while. Right. <laughs> like, this was now the flavor of water. <laughs> yeah, this is just, everything is going to have a slight malort taste and the water really brought it out. But no, it turns out I just have asshole friends. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be my Christmas gift for everyone. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> everyone I know is getting a bottle of this stuff. <laughs> it's shocking. All right. So that was that. Was that. Um, let's talk about the race. Back in Nashville. Not much It was much a real Malort day. It was a real Malort day. Uh it was expected to be, as it has always been, a massive crash fest. It ended up not being the case. But hey, before we get to the race, let's just how how was your weekend? How was practice? How was qualifying? Um, yeah, I mean, good. Uh, it was um, not on paper, but in reality, it was the best kind of weekend we've had since uh, since Detroit. So um, it was a nice kind of relief from the kind of uh struggles we've been on the past couple of events um and just generally like another like just a, a weekend for the team honestly like it's it sucks uh it's crazy that we're this far into the season without a win um for any of us but uh regardless of that you, there was a lot of positives that came out of it um we qualified 10th well we didn't so it was interesting so practice obviously on friday then practice two it was rain we opted not to go out um just to we really didn't believe that based on the standing water that we saw based on the radar based on everything we truly didn't believe that it was going to be any sort of session in the wet um and we almost looked really silly because every car else every other car went out except roma um, but it ended up being that yes, qualifying was delayed. Qualifying was super in the dry. Um, so kind of, I was happy with that decision and then qualifying was okay. You know, we were 10th, the red flag cost us probably set seventh, eighth. So not that big of a deal. Um, and then there was no warm up. Uh, so Ultimately, there was quite a few changes that came not only from the team, but from Chevy. And we were all kind of experimenting throughout the weekend. But unfortunately, with one practice and no warm up, like you were experimenting a little bit and qualifying in the race. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was it was going well. I think we could have been fighting for a top five, probably finish around sixth or seventh. Um, and uh, I had to deal with Renus, who was driving, in my mind, a little bit beyond his, I don't want to say ability, but he was trying really hard to keep the track position. That He had done a good job of kind of advancing through some of the sequences and undercuts and all that. That being said, he had used 130 seconds of overtake in like 35 laps. 
So like <laughs> he was doing everything he could to kind of stay in that position. And we had contact um, and the contact was actually fine. Uh, it didn't, it didn't damage anything. Um, but Will was able to get by through that process. And I was pretty pissed and had a small moment out of turn eight and bent the toe link, um, on the left. Oh, rear. So it wasn't so, from the contact. No, no, it was, it was all my fault. Um, oh, that's so that, that's, I don't, yeah, go ahead. I don't know if we caught that. So I think we sort of oh. assumed it was from the contact and so let's, so let me put it this way. Cause you even said the contact, whatever, but Renus got a penalty for it. What was your, like, how do you feel about that? Like, what's your opinion on that? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. That's a weird deviation, <laughs> but okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was surprised. I'll, I'll talk. I, uh, I was surprised by the penalty cause I didn't think it was egregious enough to justify one. And like he ended up firing himself off and you kept going. Now we know totally fine. And it was the damage came from later, but uh, anyway, so yes, so you have the damage, you go two laps down and then you're pretty much just trapped there for the rest of the race. Yeah. Um, and, and it sucks because again, like we had a good car, um, but you know, the, we, we went into the weekend looking for, you know, a path, a direction. We were pretty lost for a couple of weekends and, and we found a lot of the roadmap, I feel like. So, you know, excited going into this weekend where, you know, this will be the first time this year, obviously, that we're going back to a track with all of the knowledge that we acquired as a group, a new group um, earlier in the year. So, you know, we should be able to to have a pretty strong weekend from that standpoint. So, uh, yeah, at Nashville, as you said, it, it raced better than people thought. I think, I think you kind of were on that train. Like, there's no way that three years in a row it's going to be like that. It wasn't. Um, the the heat was a big deal for sure. Yeah. Um, was it the know, hottest year? It was the hottest year without a doubt. Um, I think that was, that was a big challenge for a lot of guys. Everyone dealt with it. Well, I thought it was re a really good weekend. You know, it's um, it was also very cool. Obviously that we got the announcement of season finale in Nashville next year, going down Broadway, September should be cooler temperatures. It's an amazing place to end a year. Like, I think there was a lot of very good things to come out of the weekend. For sure. I uh, I mean, one of the things I did want to touch on was the heat because it was insanely hot all weekend. But you guys didn't even get really a chance to get used to it because Friday wasn't too bad. Saturday's practice was rained out slash canceled. Qualifying is short. We can qualifying like after qualifying, guys took off their helmets and they were, they looked very warm. Like Joseph, we interviewed Joseph and I'm not kidding. Like there was literal, like steady stream of drips of sweat coming off his chin when we were interviewing him. Like it looked hot. And then you think about doing 80 laps and then they had the red flag and we saw, you know, McLaughlin like screaming in his helmet and waving, like, give me a fan. Cause when you stop moving in those things, the way the heat soak inside the cockpit just comes in is like so brutal. But do you think it was the hottest you've been in the car since the air screen? I, no, I don't. Um, that that first Indy GP the race will always remain the absolute hottest. And I give a lot of credit to IndyCar um, because the top the top scoop 
is unbelievably good. Like, quite frankly, it should be just, you run it. It should just be part of the arrow screen. Like, you should run it at all times. Because I actually ran without a cool suit um, because we knew the top scoop was there. And it was it was totally fine. You know, I ran St. Pete in 21 without a cool suit and the top scoop, and it was fine. But the, the point is, like, IndyCar has now given us enough options to deal with the heat, whether that's the top vent that they mandate when they're once there's certain ambient conditions, the cool suit. Obviously, we've had a variety of different kind of side ducks for the helmet. So if guys were able to manage that race in Nashville, street courses are always going to be the hardest. Um, it was 90 plus degrees, very high humidity, direct sunlight. That's going to be the worst kind of situation for the aero screen. And it was all right. So a huge amount of credit is has to be given to IndyCar for listening to the drivers and saying they had to do something about the heat. Yes, it's still hot, um, but I thought it was it was fine. Good deal. Uh, and then you mentioned the the extension of the race, so three more years in Nashville, but now it's the end of the year, which I think is awesome. And I had a couple people, you know, I think I like retweeted the announcement or something, and a surprising number of people on Twitter came back and were like, how could you want to end the season there? The place has no history and it's such a crash fest and a lottery. People are affect so someone's... upsetting, man. It's like, uh, it's, this is the one that got me is the guy was like, you're going to let the championship come down to a complete lottery of a race. And I was, and my response, I actually replied to the person and I was like, whether it's the first race or the last race, it has the same effect on the championship. Yeah. Right. It's not double points anymore. So it, if you have it, if you have it at all, it doesn't really matter where the schedule it goes. So yeah, no, I, I'm perfectly fine with it being the last race and like ending somewhere with an atmosphere like Nashville compared to Laguna. As much as we all love the track and it's got so much history, it just doesn't have the atmosphere of like, hey, we're celebrating the champion that we're crowning, and it's you know, it's a bit of a different like even deal. even at least Sonoma had wine country, right? Like Napa is amazing, but what are you going to do? Go to a nice dinner in Carmel and a sleepy little B and B like right. that's not. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Monterey aquarium is beautiful, but not like celebrate an IndyCar champion. Right. Beautiful. It's not that right. kind of venue. So now we have, I mean, they announced where the bank was going to be. I, I forget. Oh, I'm sure it's some, yeah. Oh, uh, cool. So I think it's going to be like the Monday right after the race, like as it should like be. Like it used to be. Awesome. Like it used to be. We, you know, we got away from that for a long time. I think, frankly, because there was nowhere to do it when we were doing it. And so, like, we used to end the season in Homestead. You would do it right there. Um, even a couple times in Sonoma, I think we had it in LA the next day kind of thing. But uh, it's great to see that it's coming back to the Monday after and we're in a city that can actually be cool. And, uh, and I think it, it shows, it shows despite, you know, all of our, you know, when you're involved in the sport, it's very easy to find, like anything in life, it's easy to find the issues, right? Right. But the fact that the city of Nashville, in everything that it has going for it, right? I mean, they're building a new stadium to host a Super Bowl, right? It's the the growth there is is out of this world, and they see enough relevance and benefit to having IndyCar come, not only come back, but come back for an extended period of time and actually impact their city dynamics in an even bigger way because right. they see the benefit and the coolness of having IndyCar there. And I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause now 
the because of that stadium that's being built, the track is going to look completely different. The bridge will still be utilized, but now most of that race will be happening on the far side, uh, on the downtown side, and we're the, literally like, going to be driving. Side. Right, we're going to be literally driving up Broadway, which that's is like it's going to be so cool. Like after the strip, it's the next strip. Like there's literally other than Vegas shutting down the strip for F1, I cannot think of a more significant and to your point kind of I mean it'd be New York it'd be New York Times Square, that's it. Yeah, and like I mean that would just be impossible. That ain't happening. Right. That's that not happening. happening. Right. Even F1 ain't doing that. So it's uh it's it's just awesome, man. I think it's a great point. The fact that Nashville sees the value and you know, IndyCar, and like you say, it's so easy to pick out flaws and, and complaints and, you know, things like that. <clears throat> change change takes time. These things don't happen overnight. And this has probably been something, because we've talked about the finale being somewhere a little more exciting for a few years, but there's contracts in place. Like, there's not just something you can do immediately. And so I think it's awesome to see that IndyCar had the foresight to start putting this plan into place and that they've executed on it. So, Big props to everyone on the IndyCar side and everyone on the Nashville side for making this happen. I think it's uh, I think it's exciting. Um, so I guess that means I've heard that means Laguna is probably going to be moving to earlier in the year, maybe filling that big gap between the first two races. Yep. So that's going to be cool. Um, <clears throat> not a bad time to be up in NorCal. Every day, our world gets a little more connected but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, but I'm excited for the, the rest of the calendar to come out. I think everybody's anxious to kind of see, because there's all these rumors about Milwaukee maybe coming back. From what we hear, this might be the last IndyCar NASCAR double at Brickyard Weekend. So that would be a shame. I'm bummed if that's off the calendar, but it sounds like that's what's happening. So while we're talking about the double at the Brickyard, let's talk about the double at Brickyard. 
going back for yeah. your what, is it 87th race at IMS Road Course in your Th- this year. Yeah, this yeah. year. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's been a year since the last win, so here we go again. But uh, it's um, it's uh, obviously a track that we all know well. Um, it it always produces a good race. Like you, you can't you can't argue that. So we'll see, James. We'll see. Qualifying will be the top fifteen separated by four tenths. Hopefully you're on the good side of the hundreds there. Um and then it'll be a, a red heavy race, you know. Um even with the, the heat undercut, and everything. Yeah, the undercut will win. Uh I'm sure some people touch some grass and you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. It probably will be contact at the start and turn one and two. And yeah. There you go. Sound very All right. So that's Brickyard. Well, yeah. I'm p- yeah. pretty pumped up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the irony I'm is you are I'm going you to, are... to two races in a row now. Oh, we're thrilled to have you. You are. Yeah. We're not recording. Is that. <laughs> Did you do the GP and the 500 this year? I didn't do the GP this year. You didn't do the GP? So uh, no, so my daughter had a uh, my daughter had a concert at Disneyland the Monday after the GP, so I stayed for right. that. Right, but the irony is you actually are kind of excited because, to your point, you have found a development path on the car. You're going back to a track you've already been to this year. You can kind of pick up when you've got no testing, right? You can yeah. almost look at the first May race weekend as a two and a half day test, and now you're ready to go back to that track. <laughs> No, you're you're right. Um, this is probably the most temperature sensitive track we go to, though. So it's not really apples to apples, but um, that's okay. So yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fine, James. It's it's, it's I, gonna be. Fine. I don't need to do the track walk. Like I know <laughs> we know our way around. Um, fair. Okay, I actually want to. We, we skipped ahead too soon. That's my fault. Uh, I want to talk about the Nashville race as a whole. We talked about your weekend, but let's talk about the race as a whole. Um, another super impressive Saturday from McLaughlin. Really, <clears throat> excuse me, really good lap, pole position, two years in a row. The race started clean, got through turn one and two and three and four, and got clean for fourteen laps till we had a issue with. I think it was. First yellow was David Malukas's weird failure, right? Well, it was a fire that turned into a failure. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So that opened up this interesting strategy option. And I, I, I don't actually remember what side of it you were on. Did you start primaries or alternates? Reds. So you, Green. you would have started, that's why I say alternates and primaries now, because I'm really annoyed that we still do this green thing. Um, let me, let me explain that. He hates the earth. No, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I love the initiative, but we get it now. So just paint them red again, make them green, but paint them red. Cause it's confusing for fans that you have reds at some tracks and greens at others. That's why I say primary and alternate. Anyway. So did you guys take that first caution? We did. Right. Okay. No, we did not. So, we did not. Sorry. Sorry. We pitted before it. Cause we were on reds. Oh, you were before it. So we came Got in on like 11 or something. Right. So then you would have probably been in the same camp as me and Townsend in the booth where we saw the pits open and the leaders on reds and a couple of them chose to not pit. Very confusing. Very confusing. Yeah, what um, was that about? Don't know. Okay. But I mean, it worked. 
kind of. Did it? Uh, Pat on Colton did not have a great day, I don't think. But McLaughlin and I don't know what I don't even remember what Kirkwood did. That's what's so funny about this race. Kirk, so look, Kirkwood started on Kirkwood started on blacks and went. Okay, long. so he doesn't really count. Okay, so he then well then technically he also stayed out. I know it's different tires, right? So the motivation's different. Um, but the way it cycled out because there weren't any more meaningful yellows till the end, uh, it did work out. But I couldn't believe that with especially with no warm up and no data on the reds and what that cliff was going to come, that they did that. And so you look at McLaughlin and Pelot because they were kind of running. The, that was kind of the alternate strategy split there. And Pelot ended up cycling to the lead but had to save so much fuel that McLaughlin was able to get back around him. And Kirkwood did the most... Well, hold on. Let's speak about Pelot. The Pelot, like the old school, like Dixon luck is now the new school polo luck. 100%. And like, he acknowledges he was it. So Everybody sees effed. it. Yeah. He was very, very screwed because he was not going to be able to save the fuel. They had finally given up and they said, you know what, man, we're not going to make it hammer down, build as much of a gap as you can. We're going to have to do a splash and dash and just damage limitation here. So for one lap, he pushes and then the caution comes out for, for Lundquist. So then he's good. Makes the fuel all, all fine. That he would have been fifteenth. He would have been twelfth to fifteenth if that caution doesn't come out. He's instead on the podium, and it's just he even he he just kind of you have to laugh at this point. Like there's nothing anybody can do. Like it's so crazy. He's performing at such a high level, and he's just having very very good luck, even on the days when it looks like it's going sideways. But the uh, the drive from Kirkwood was that that whole effort to me was the most like number nine car race I've ever seen. Started eighth, good pace, great strategy, almost no on-track passes, wins the race. They just called the strategy so well. He nailed the in and out line, he nailed the pit sequences, team nailed the stops, the strategy, whatever. It was such a Brian Herta called race. And it was just it, the way it all came together. It's like, try to find replays of him cutting his way through the field. It's like, they don't exist, man. It was just, that was like old school, proper, it was not a crash fest, not restarts and all that. And it's funny. You look at, you look at not taking anything away. Obviously I love those guys. I mean, Kyle, not so much, but you know, all the 20, I like Kyle, but all the 27 guys is like family in a way. And um, you look at the lap chart and it's like, he wasn't, he he wasn't the fastest car. He was just a good car. It was just, he was a top 10 car and they started on the right tire and they just, as you said, nailed everything to perfection. And that's what you get in any car if you do it right. Right. Exactly. If if you execute on everything, you've got, even without the best car, you've got a good shot. If you're good in one category, but not as not good enough in the next, you know, someone's, someone's going to hit every, every mark and, and come out on top. So, um, credit to those guys. That was very good. The other notable thing, I think everyone has to give a huge round of applause to Linus Lundqvist on his debut in IndyCar at a difficult street track on one of the hottest races of the year. His scoop broke off on lap 10. That looked rough. His, his His water system either failed or went empty by lap 30. 
and his cool suit broke on lap 50 or something like that. <laughs> and, you know, he made it into the fast 12, is made into the top 12 in his first ever weekend. Um, he, and since they started doing the, the, the segmented qualifying, only 20 drivers have made it out of Q1 on their first race. Um, so that was cool. And honestly, he was doing a great job. Like their strategy, they kind of got bone on strategy. He wasn't able to save the views on the exact same program as below, but he couldn't make the fuel numbers. So he had to ditch earlier before that yellow came out. Unfortunately, he was the yellow, but so he wasn't, he wasn't going to have a great result in like absolute terms, but relative terms, it was, it was going to be awesome. And it still is a tremendous weekend. And even though it was like, it was such a small mistake that put him out of the race. I mean, you can talk about how bad the marbling was because it looked treacherous out there. Uh, I mean, a typical, yeah, typical street course race with high temp and high dag. Like it's, it, yeah, you're going to have a yellow at the end of the race just because the, the marble buildup is, is so much and it's kind of unavoidable. Like if you try and pass a car, you're going to crash. If you lock a tire, you're going to crash. Like it's just, it's, it's inevitable to a certain extent. Um, but yes, I think I think you have to give him a lot of credit. Like that's tough to do. I I will argue that Blomquist's introduction in Toronto was actually harder. Not saying I, yeah, that, I won't argue that. I won't yeah, argue that. I mean, Linus had been to Nashville before. Mm-hmm. Um, the Shank cars looked pretty competitive. I mean, Elio had I think his best result of the season in Nashville. Um, I still think what Tom was doing in Toronto was at the same level. I'm not saying more or less impressive, but I think I think Meyer Shank has taken the very unfortunate, obviously, opportunity of Simon's injury that, you know, he's mentioned that he's wanting to do it right and come back from and, and do course and not rush anything. But they took that chance to evaluate guys that they're looking at having in the car for the future. Um, and I think that they've got two really good options in guys that end in quist. So... I don't know how they're going to make that decision, but I think it's it's cool that that younger guys are getting a shot and um, doing a good job. Yeah, no, for sure. And we saw a video from Simon. He posted on on social media um, about you know just like you say, wanting to take his recovery seriously and make sure the timing's right. Um, kind of on the note of the quists, I heard a rumor that there might be an announcement on one of those Meyer Shank cars this weekend. So watch that space because there might be something coming. I think it's coming on Friday, and I think it certainly involves a, a, a quist. A quist? <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Um, all right, man. Uh, are you going to stay for the NASCAR race Sunday? No, I'll be on the boat. So if uh, you want to come. Yeah, make sure you pick. Like I say, I got to do the pre-race show, but then uh, I'll come stand on the dock and send you a text. <laughs> Sweet, sweet, sweet. Uh, I'm sure Tim will be there. He's probably scared to get on a boat too. Um, but you know, <laughs> should let him on because he was wouldn't go on the plane. Right, right. <laughs> um, I'm sure that's an option. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Have fun with that. And uh, if you come out to NDGP, come see us. Make sure though, based on this episode, you don't bring up you know what we talk about on the show. Or if you do, make sure it's only in a positive light. And B, <laughs> uh, if you want me to sign something, make sure you have a Sharpie. Definitely yeah. have a Sharpie. And if, you, if James signs something for you, get your Sharpie back. <laughs>
Right. He will steal it. Right. Yeah. Right. And and Ryan, you know James's address, uh, so just send him up there. This has been Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Off Track is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. We're at Ask Off Track on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow us on Twitter individually, I'm at Hinchtown. He's Alexander Rossi. And if you want to follow Tim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel for exclusive video content. Off Track is produced by Tim Durham, and by that we mean Tim. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.